0: Welcome, everyone, to the ProWrestling.net All Access SmackDown Audio Review. My name is Chris Shore, and joining me, as always, is Jake Barnett. And this is free audio we give to you guys each and every week. Jake and I get together on Saturdays and talk about the SmackDown show for the week and look at what's going on and what's coming up. But it's not the only show that this happens for during the week. There's also a Monday WWE Raw show that's done by Jason Powell. Will Pruitt comes along every uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday sometimes to take care of the TNA Impact Wrestling audio. And we do other audio for the site as well. Will and Jake get together and they do a .NET countdown where they talk about the best and the worst in professional wrestling each week. Jason Powell does a weekly Q&A on Fridays where he answers members' questions of both wrestling and non-wrestling nature. Uh, Every Wednesday, or at least hopefully every Wednesday, I'm able to put out an audio slant where uh, I talk about some things that are going on in the week, look back at some wrestling history, talk about what's going on in the Indies, even review a DVD every week. And then every Thursday, Jason Powell and I get together and we do a flagship show. We call it .NET Weekly. It's a weekly news show that looks at all the news for the week, oftentimes breaks news. that's not even been been published on the main site yet. But all of those shows are available exclusively to members, and so if the, if you like what you hear here, and you want to try some of those audios out, all you've got to do is head over to ProWrestling.net and look on the right-hand side of the page. You'll see the ProWrestling.net member sign-up link. Click there. We'll get you started. $7.50 a month will get you 30 days if you want to take the annual option. We take 2 bucks off of that, just $5.50 a month when you take that annual option. And besides access to all of those audio's each and every week, you will also have access to the ad-free version of the site, access to the .NET Members Forum, where we have a pretty lively group that discusses, oh, wow, just everything from professional wrestling to MMA to uh, video games to all kinds of things, and access to our .NET blog section. If you ever want to take a stab at what we do each and every week, the blog section is there for you to do that as well. So head on over to prowrestling.net, click on that right-hand side, Click on the .NET member sign up and get started, and it's a great time to sign up because we are just nine days away from Elimination Chamber, and then, of course, six weeks after that, I believe, the, the number last night was 63 days, if I remember correctly, away from WrestleMania, and, of course, that headline by Rock versus John Cena. Uh, more matches beginning to take shape that we're going to see on that for sure. But, Jake, I'm going to bring you in at this point, this is the SmackDown that was on... February the 10th, 2012, it was taped on the 7th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which this was the, the last week they introduced it was going to be in the SmackDown Elimination Chamber. And then no surprise this week, we got a, a big match that had, a big tag match that had uh, three of the six competitors in it, uh, that being Big Show and uh, Wade Barrett and Cody Rhodes, and then Sheamus, who of course won the Royal Rumble and will go on to face someone at WrestleMania for a world title was thrown into the mix as well, the main event for the first time ever, Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton, it sounds like it would have been a great show, but for me, I just kind of wanted to go to sleep in the middle of it, how about you?
1: Yeah, that, that's that's kind of what the, the general mood was, I mean, when you get everybody who's involved in the main event, uh, you know, Sheamus isn't going to be, uh, you know, involved until WrestleMania, but, uh, you know, they got all these guys involved in this Elimination Chamber match, and then... You know, they're part of the opening segment, they have that tag match that's at the top of the second hour, and then they have the main event with Brian and Orton. But, you know, you got at least an hour and change of television uh, in between all those moments where you have, you know, mid-card and undercard wrestlers who really aren't dealing with significant storylines trying to fill all that extra time. What we ended up with was, you know, three pretty good segments. The tag match was fun, the opening segment was okay, the main event was okay, aside from, you know, the kind of telegraph finish, but... Uh, the rest of the show was just kind of there, and uh, the rest of it kind of dragged. So, if uh, you tuned in and you, you kind of were able to do other things while the show was going on, and come back for those major segments, you probably felt pretty good about the show. But if you sat down and watched the entire thing, you were probably, you know, ready to take a nap somewhere in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, WWE often puts up just chunks of SmackDown. Sometimes on YouTube, sometimes they'll put up the whole show, and other times it's just chunks. And if they're smart, they'll just put up chunks this time because. The rest of the show, actually, outside of the opening segment, the uh, the main event, which we see a lot with SmackDown, we've talked about this many a times, we call them bookend SmackDowns where you get a great opening and a great main event. Not that this week was great necessarily, but uh, we've seen this in the past. You get a great open, great main event, and everything else in the middle is just kind of bluff. This was a little bit like that, except I, I did think the tag match, and it sounds like you did as well, was, was pretty good. The main event was okay. The, uh, you know, the finish was kind of silly, and we'll talk about that here in a second. I-, I thought it actually did a good job of setting up what the actual end of the show was, which I, I thought th- I found to be a little bit more entertaining than the actual finish of the match, the main event match itself. And in the opening segment, just trying to get, you know, more heat on the Elimination Chamber, Sheamus, of course, opens up the, the show talking about how he's going to pick who he's going to face at WrestleMania. I'm going to put you on the spot right now before we dig into the whole show. Who do you think he challenges, or not necessarily who, but what title do you think he challenges for at WrestleMania?
1: Well, I, the way I think they're, they're I, the, the way they sold Jericho and Punk on Monday as being, you know, the feud for that title, I would assume he's going to take on whoever has the World Heavyweight Championship after the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. If I had to guess, it's going to be Randy Orton, but that's just a guess. All right,
0: well, that, that's actually my guess as well. So let's, let's tear into this, this show. We'll start off with that opening segment. We had a, uh, First time in several weeks, we didn't get any type of hype video to open the show. They just went right into the normal open. Uh, Michael Cole, Josh Matthews, and Booker T checking in on commentary. They hyped the big Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan main event. Uh, real quick, just before we, we go into that, I just, just want to ask your opinion on something. We we talk about this a lot. This was the first time Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan faced off. The first time in history that made a point of saying that throughout the show is this something they should have saved and made people pay for instead of just giving it away on free TV? I mean, they they did not give us a pay-per-view quality match. They held back. There's no question about that. That was smart in case they ever have to do this again, or when they do this again, at least I hope. But, I mean, is this something they should have saved for a pay-per-view somewhere down the road?
1: Well, yeah, Um, I mean, preferably they would have. Uh, But I think the fact that they did hold back and they did keep, you know, a lot of the... Uh, the length and a lot of the more dangerous spots that you probably would see in a in a pay-per-view match off you know off this show probably you know saved it to some degree. But it, in a perfect world where you know first-time meetings are promoted like big deals, uh, which they were you know years ago and, and even uh, during the era uh, you know of uh, Attitude to some degree, I mean, we, we just don't see that anymore, and it's it's kind of a shame. But at the same time, you know it's been done so many times now, I have a hard time getting
0: upset about it. Yeah, I just. I, you know, I, when, I, when they first announced it, I thought, wait, this is the first time these two guys have hooked up. I, I think it is. And, and then they, you know, they, they they start to announce that. And just the more I thought about it as the show went on and they kept pointing that out, I was like, God, ah, that's great and all, but wow, why would you give that away on free TV? Especially when you know you're, I mean, you, you kind of go in knowing you're going to get the non-finish. Even before they really gave it away by how they set everything up uh, during the match itself, you just you just had that feeling that we're not going to get a finish here. There's no way they're going to. Take heat off of Brian at this point. They're not going to make uh, Orton job to him yet. So I don't know. It just it seemed it seemed unnecessary to me. But we'll we'll see how it plays out in the future. We wrestling fans have very short attention spans. Lillian Garcia was in the ring and she introduced Sheamus uh, as the Royal Rumble winner. He came to the ring, said that he would decide by the end of the night at the Elimination Chamber what championship he would challenge for at WrestleMania. He said that. Uh, People had been pushing him around all his life. He was bullied as a kid, and he he got out of that by fighting back. Uh, He said even when he came to WWE, people were still trying to tell him what to do. Don't spike your hair, get a tan, all these other things. He said that he didn't listen, and and look what happened. It took him all the way to the main event at WrestleMania. He said he was a tasty-faced, red-headed Irishman and proud of it. At that point, Wade Barrett, who's gotten new music again, this is probably what, his fifth, sixth, tenth entrance theme at this point, Wade Barrett's music hits and he comes to the ring. Uh, He said that, uh, you know, he, he did have a lot of respect for Sheamus, so he was going to tell him what he needed to do. He said that Sheamus should challenge for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania because if he chose to challenge for the world title, Sheamus was going to have to go after him, Wade Barrett, because Barrett was going to win at the Elimination Chamber. And he said that Sheamus knew that he could and had beaten him in the past. Uh, Seamus kind of sold it for a minute and then smiled and said, you know, what was that? I really wasn't listening. All I was thinking about was how Randy Orton beat your butt all over the ring this past week. Uh, Barrett said, oh, that's real funny. And then Cody Rhodes music hits. At this point, I'm already going, oh, God, we're going to get all six Illumination Chamber guys in the ring at the same time it's going to be a busy segment. Not being the case, but it did end up still being a busy segment. Cody comes to the ring cutting his promo on the way to the ring, so at least we didn't have to just waste time with him doing a straight entrance. He said that none of what Wade Barrett said mattered uh, because only Cody knew what it was like to have his hand raised at WrestleMania and was the only one to have a title right here and now. He said that the Elimination Chamber was a grueling match. You had to be mentally strong. And nobody was stronger mentally than him. He said that if Sheamus picked the world title, he would lose at WrestleMania to Cody Rhodes, who, of course, claiming he was going to win the elimination championship. At that point, Big Show's music hit, and Big Show comes to the ring. He said that since Sheamus wasn't the guy to tell people what to do, he was going to do it. He told Cody to shut his mouth before he slapped the taste out of it. He said he wasn't going to make any promises and, and you know talk about this or that. He said, "I just want, Sheamus, I want, just want you to think about this, Sheamus." versus the Big Show for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. Now, that would be a great match. Uh, Barrett cut him off at that point and said that he was going to try to be as nice as he could here, but uh, Big Show was a WrestleMania joke. He said that Snooki had a better WrestleMania career than Show did. Cody said that was right, that apparently Giants could win the Super Bowl, but not at WrestleMania, which I thought was a very funny line. Uh, Show even kind of laughed it off a little bit. He had, Cody had show at that point, but who are you going to lose to this year? Is it the the boxer, the sumo wrestler, or are you just going to? And that was as far as he got. Show attacks him. Barrett attacks Show. Seamus attacks Barrett. A big brawl breaks out, and the heels end up getting dumped to the floor while the baby faces stand tall in the ring to close the segment out. The live crowd loved it. I'm sure it was a lot of fun to be there live, but by the time Cody got in there and then when Big Show started coming in, for me it wasn't bad but it just was busy and, and, and not enough time to really get anybody over there
1: yeah I, I you know i don't have any bone to pick with any of the performances i thought everybody kind of delivered their their promo pretty well but yeah. uh, I mean, the the problem was there was just too much i mean it, it just didn't feel like anybody was able to grab the crowd i mean Seamus had a little bit more time than than everybody else with his opening uh, promo but that i mean that's to be expected with uh you know with him being the rumble winner but overall I mean you, once you have all those guys coming out and interrupting each other it just feels like you know it's just the countdown to the brawl that's eventually going to take place and that's kind of what we saw uh it, it wasn't a bad opening segment I mean it, it did uh you know it did set up you know the the tag match at the top of the second hour and um you know I I thought big show did pretty well here uh, Barrett had some decent lines, sort of Cody Rhodes, but it, it just felt like one of those segments where it could have done with maybe one less guy, and they might have been able to, uh, you know, to have somebody run out last minute to make a save or something. I don't know. It, it definitely needed uh, just a little bit of uh, trimming of some of the dialogue and maybe a little bit more action, in my opinion.
0: One thing I wanted to, to ask you about: you sent me a, a message via GChat uh, right at the beginning of the show and said, "Are you surprised about uh, Seamus' reaction from the crowd? He gets a huge pop everywhere he goes." Uh, and, and yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. Why, why specifically did
1: you ask that question? I, I just said it because, you know, the, I, I couldn't tell how much of the reaction was legitimate and how much, you know, because sometimes they do pipe in some cheers on TV to make somebody seem like a bigger deal. But just with the way Seamus was treated prior to the Royal Rumble for, you know, going back maybe six to eight weeks, he was feuding with Jinder Mahal. He was, you know, just having these quick squash matches in the middle of shows. I, did, I don't know. It just didn't feel like the crowd should have as much of an emotional attachment to his character as they do. So it, it surprises me that he's getting these huge reactions when, uh, you know, he kind of seemed to be diminishing in, in importance And from my, you know, position just watching the shows over the weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes at, at Mania. Well, by Mania they can build him up, but I'm interested to see if he does anything in the Elimination Chamber, how that crowd reacts because... You know, I did think at the Rumble, he didn't get as big of a reaction as he's gotten. You know, he was getting mad cheers leading into the Rumble, which, you know, I just figured people just like and for whatever reason. Um, and, and he's getting these crazy cheers now. Like you said, they do pipe-in stuff, and it's, you know, now being a tape show, was easier to do that sort of thing. But I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, you know, where... How he how he goes from here forward, especially if he's in an elimination chamber in front of a live crowd. I think again, by maybe he's probably going to get a great pop because they're going to have time to build him, time to tell a story. But yeah, it, it is a little surprising that fans are that rabid about him if that is a legit reaction, uh, because they haven't done much with him as you pointed out. And um, so it's I mean he's he's certainly over. There's no question about that. But just the uh, I guess the the -the over-the-top reaction from the crowd is is what is so very surprising. After commercial, we had Jinder Mahal at ringside. Um, Well, they announced there was going to be a tag match, the big show when Sheamus versus Cody Rhodes and Wade Barrett match was announced at that point. Uh, And then we cut to ringside where Jinder Mahal, who you just mentioned, was was putting his his hat, his turban, I I apologize, I don't know. Do you know what the, the, the official name for his headwear is?
1: I don't. I called it a turban myself. I, I'm sure it yeah. has a, a more official name than that.
0: But yeah, and I apologize for not knowing what that is. I, I don't mean to offend anybody out there, but he. I, this, this is the kind of crap that drives me crazy. Though the WWE does, they they go through this whole thing and Cole's putting over, you know how important this ceremony is, and Jinder goes through a whole ritual and holds the cap up like he or the, the turban up in his hand like he's maybe praying with it or whatever, and then sets it in this case that. Sitting on a platform with a big gold cloth hanging over it, he closes it down, and then nothing. They they don't. I mean, you know, Cole makes it out to be a big deal. You know, this is very important to Mahal, and then that's it. I mean, then he you, you know then we get our first match, which is him versus Kali, and it's basically a squash by Kali. Why go through all that trouble of doing the whole thing with the the turban and the the box and all of that? If you're, if you're, if that's it, I mean, if that's all you're going to get is just this weird ceremony thing, it's not going to draw heat. What, what could possibly be the the the, the purpose there?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of thought the same thing myself. I wasn't quite sure what what they were going for there. It seemed like they were relying on Michael Cole to kind of explain why he was wearing it. With had something to do with affluence, and uh, you know, I guess that makes sense considering his character. But I don't know why. You know, the ceremony would all of a sudden become important to him when he spent the first, you know, six, eight months of his run without a turban on at all. So it's, uh, it's strange that they never really introduced it at the time when, you know, when he first started wearing it. And now, you know, all of a sudden he has a ceremony and we're relying on Michael Cole, who I assume is not an expert on culture, uh, to try to explain why he's wearing it. And it just kind of came off ham-handed. I, I don't know why anybody would understand why he's wearing the turban or why he puts it into a glass case and does a, you know, kind of a little ritual ceremony at ringside. It's, it, it, without Ginger explaining it and, and, you know, allowing him to kind of explain his culture, I think it's it's going to be kind of a dead thing for a while.
0: Yeah, and, and they did a cut-in interview with him. They did a cut-in promo where he said after he beats Kali, he's going to man, demand that, that he be, you know, that he replace Kali in the Elimination Chamber. But they didn't mention anything about what he was doing there or why. It just, it just seemed completely unnecessary and, and, and just confusing. And, you know, when you did... The, as a writer, you know, someone who's put out a book and, and hopes to put out my second one very soon, the, it's, it's you know, one of the things you learn is that if you show a gun, then you have to fire that gun later. That's the rule. When you make a promise, you have to keep it. And you make a promise by showing someone, you know, the gun on the wall, the knife on the table, whatever it is. And so they show the turban in the box, and then they don't do anything. That's making a promise they didn't keep. And it, it, for me as a storyteller, it's incredibly frustrating to see that play out. But, again, that led to our first match of the night. Great Kali squashing Jinder Mahal at two minutes and five seconds. Uh, Mahal got in a couple of shots, got Kali down on one knee, but basically this was all kali He just slapped him around, hit him with a big chop, and one with the Punjabi plunge. Uh, you know, I guess they're just trying to, to put heat on Kali going into elimination chamber. chamber. And he got a good reaction from the crowd because he's just a beast of a human being. He's so big. It's. I mean, if you've never seen the guy in person, you don't really get a feel for how huge he is. Um, but I, you know, it's. it just. Kali doesn't work for me. Sorry, he just doesn't. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I was trying to build heat on Kali heading into the elimination chamber, I would keep him as far away from the ring as humanly possible. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I, I just don't think the crowd. Uh, you know, they they get up for his entrance because you know he is an imposing guy and he's got. That kind of jaunty entrance music you know with the uh the Punjabi playboy thing he's been doing for a while, and I guess you know that that kind of works and gets the crowd into the into the entrance, but I mean once the match starts, I mean the guy still has to wrestle it, he just doesn't have it, and it's hard to ignore that, and I think you know by putting him out there in the ring for even two minutes with Mahal, who you know had to struggle just to get through the match with him, it was uh it was kind of brutal to watch, but, uh, you know, I guess hopefully he doesn't have too much of a role in the Elimination Chamber. I'm sure he's just in there as a as a prop, I mean, <laughs> basically. So, uh, you know, it was a two-minute match, and it was pretty bad at, at two minutes. And if he's involved in anything longer than that, I'm sure he'll he'll even be further exposed. So keep him off television as much as possible would be my advice for them.
0: Hey, no doubt. I just, do you think he's going to make it to the Elimination Chamber? I, the only reason I ask is because I think it's – I mean, that Chamber – you, when you hear guys talk about being in that chamber, and you know, I think CM Punk is the guy who really, last year, maybe two years ago, I'm pretty sure it was last year. Just, I mean, his whole back just looked like he had been through a cheese grater by the time he was done. You, you think about how hard that match is on guys to go out there and do it. And Kali is a guy who doesn't take bumps well in the middle of a ring. I mean, do you really think they're going to have him go out there and take bumps on that steel, or, or do you think he's a, a swerve waiting to happen?
1: Uh, you know that that's a pretty good uh, guess. I mean, it's it's they have one. You know, they have another week until uh, the pay per view, and they have another SmackDown to potentially throw somebody else in there. I mean, could it be Mahal? I guess. I mean, I, I guess the the roster is still so thin on SmackDown. It's hard to figure out who who else they would put in there at this point. But uh, it's it's definitely uh, a possibility. And if I were them, I'd probably pull the trigger just because I don't think. Uh, you know, Kali is a good recipe for the chamber match. I mean, if he doesn't get hurt, there's always a good chance he could hurt somebody else, you know, trying to preserve his own health. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a good idea to, to try to move him out of that match if possible.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm so sure somebody's listening right now is going, well, Big Show's in it. Well, yeah, but Show's, shows a wrestler. I mean, I'm not trying to, to, to diminish Kali here. He's a great feature. But, you know, Big Show is a wrestler. He's been around for a long time. He's taken some pretty sick bumps. Um, I watched Kevin Nash almost kill him with the, the powerbomb back in WCW. He, I mean, he, he's a guy, does not going to take big bumps like that, but he's a guy that knows how to control his body better than Kylie does. I, I think that's, that's evident from what we saw in the match later uh, in the show, just on this very show, uh, and, and just history tells us that. So I, I don't think comparing those two is fair at all. I think Big Show can handle himself in a chamber match, whereas Kylie is going to be out of his element, and, and speaking of out of the element, we get a, a video that recasts Mark Henry's suspension, and then we cut backstage to friggin' Teddy Long and Oxana, and oh my God, will this ever end? I, you know, I, I, it really, it's it's to the point now to where I can't even listen to them. They they just start, and I cannot even listen to them. They, you know, Oxana all, "You were so big and bad, and you suspended." Mark Henry and blah, 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 blah. And then she leans over. She You deserve to be rewarded. And then she leans over, and she's doing something, apparently, on the other side of his face, the the side facing away from the camera. I don't know if she's supposed to be nibbling on his ear or what, exactly. She didn't kiss him. It just it looked weird because it went on for about four seconds. And if you don't realize how long four seconds is, just sit there sometime and just look at the clock and realize how long, four seconds, of her face hidden behind Katie Longs and Teddy going, ooh, <laughs> it, it, it felt like a friggin eternity. Daniel Bryan shows up at this point and says, what are you doing? Um, so, Katie chases Oksana off, you know, and, and they start talking. Uh, Bryan said he was there to talk about the barbecue that Katie had before the, the show. Katie said, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot to invite you. Uh, which I thought was I, at this point I thought it was kind of funny when when they did that. He was like, oh, I forgot to advise you. Like, okay, this this might end up being okay. Boy, I was wrong. Uh, Brian goes off and starts this whole thing about you know I don't eat meat or eating the charred flesh of a dead animal, a poor animal that was led to slaughter. And um, you know, Teddy's like, well, I put J.R.'s barbecue sauce on it. It tasted good to me. Uh, Brian goes off on him again. Teddy says, I'm sorry, I'm not a vegetarian like you. Brian rolls his eyes and goes, I am not a vegetarian. I'm a vegan. I don't eat meat. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat cheese, which Tate, Brian, uh, cheese is dairy. Uh, you know, he, he goes to this whole thing and, and he goes, you, you're making me sick. Act like he's getting physically you know, nauseated. I can't compete tonight. And Teddy goes, if you think you're going to be able to get out of that or get out of competing tonight just from faking being sick, you've got another thing coming. Um he said, You better go get ready for your match tonight and send him out to do it. I you you said a chat to me again in G Chat and said, uh, you know, this is what Vince thinks we want, a granola hippie heel. I it's I mean, he, he Brian was very good with the whole big show thing and AJ, I mean I, for, you know, for a few weeks there you and I were very high on him. I hate this. I mean, I really, really, really hate this a lot. I am not digging this character at all. And from looking at your report, that sounds like that sounds like you're a big fan of it
1: either. Well, it's not that I think he's doing a bad job of performing what material he's been given. I just don't care about it. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care that he's vegan. I don't think it's a negative, you know, it's not a reason to hate him. And him, you know, being preachy about it, I guess, is, you know, kind of a dick move, if you want to call it that. Uh, but really, I mean, it's just not a good reason to hate somebody. Why not have him, you know, do something that an actual heel would do to get them heat? I don't think the crowd is going to get that invested, you know, in a, in hating a guy just because he doesn't eat meat or animal byproducts. I mean, it's a lifestyle choice, you know. I mean, if you had a gay wrestler and they had, you know, and he made a big deal about being gay, nobody would care about it. I mean, it's just, you know, we're. I think most people are just past this kind of crap. We don't really care about, you know, personality flaws. In, in heels, unless it relates to what they're doing in the ring, and this has nothing to do with what he's doing in the ring. So I, I don't understand why the, they would, you know, kind of decide to push this so, as far as they have. But I, I just don't think he's going to get the reaction they expect out of the character.
0: Yeah, and, and people who want to say, well, look at what happened with CM Punk. I think there's gigantic differences between CM Punk's straight edge character, heel character, and, and what we're seeing with Daniel Bryan here. I mean, just just a few off the top of my head. One. There's a huge difference between running people down for drinking, and yes, you did smoking and, and smoking too, but and you're doing drugs. But we'll take you know, we'll take drugs out of it just for the argument. But he did say something about prescription drugs and whatnot. It's one thing to run somebody down for having a drink when most people say, well, I can have a drink or two and it doesn't matter. I'm not you know I'm not getting tore up or whatever. You know why are you trying to? I guess that's the thing is that you know punk came from a place of morality and it, it was. Yes, it was straight edge means I'm better than you, but because he was morally superior. And, uh, you know, he, as he started saving people, you have the religious overtones and all those sorts of things that made that character work. Vegans, while I'm sure they feel like they are morally superior, I think most people just roll their eyes at vegans. You know, if you get somebody standing on a street corner preaching about drugs and alcohol and, and cigarettes and you know how you're a heathen if you, if you do those sorts of things, that invokes an entirely different reaction for most people than if you say, well, if you eat meat, you're a terrible person. People just smile and nod and, and go to McDonald's. It's, just, it's, it's two totally different things. I mean, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, it's hard to imagine a scenario where they would, you know, work this into a storyline. I mean, when, when Punk, you know, first started making... Uh, you know, the, the straight edge society and started talking about being straight edge. It was part of that angle with Jeff Hardy. And, what? you know, Jeff Hardy had some real life issues and, and, con, you know, continued to have them after he left WWE with, with substance abuse. And, and, uh, you know, those, those are real life, you know, things you can touch on where, you know, people kind of go, whoa, you know, this is... This is personal and this is, uh, you know, this is something real. But I mean, what are you going to do with Daniel Bryan? Are you going to him walk up on one another superstar eating some ribs and have him rip into it? Nobody's going to care. It's just, you know, people eat ribs. You know, get over it. Daniel Bryan doesn't. I don't care. You know, just <laughs> move on with it. It doesn't matter. You know, the, the vegan thing is not going to work. They need to find uh, a different angle to make people hate Daniel Bryan because, you know, nobody is going to buy into the, to the moral superiority of, of, you know, not eating hamburgers. Nobody do, Nobody really cares about it
0: right, exactly. After commercial, we get our second match of the night. Beth is squashing Alicia Fox in a minute and 12 seconds. Uh, you know, Alicia showed off that she can, you know, she's flexible and she's athletic, but it was pretty much all Beth, and the purpose of this was to get to the post-match. Beth wins with the glam slam, uh, and then goes to attack Alicia some more. Tamina runs out and slides into the ring to stop. They do not actually fight. They just stare at each other. Uh, Tamina kind of nods her head at, at Beth, and Beth has a, uh, gets a big smile on her face, grabs her belt, and leaps. And the, uh, the announcement team put it over as Beth seemed to be uh, thrilled or excited by the challenge of Tamina. And if the demons were given, you know, actual time to do things and, and were able to tell stories, this is a little bit of a story, but I just... I don't. I refuse to invest into a diva story at this point because they, you know, what what they give us is fart jokes and uh, squash matches, and so it, it's hard to believe that that this is going to be that good of a match. Quite frankly, or this good of a feud. And quite frankly, the last time we we saw Samina wrestle longer than a minute and a half, I wasn't very impressed. She's looked good in hitting three moves on Natalya for the past five weeks or whatever it's been. But the last time we really saw her in an extended match, she, she just does not seem to have it. Maybe she's gotten better. We'll, we'll have to find out and see. But for me, it's like, okay, I, they're trying to do something here, but you've just crapped on me for so long. I, I just, I can't get excited for it.
1: Yeah, that was that was kind of the way I felt about Tamina, too. I mean, I she has looked pretty good, you know, doing the splashes and the Samoan drops and whatnot the past couple of weeks, but... I mean, you know, flashes of anybody can look good doing, you know, just a couple of flash moves and and leaving the ring. So uh, I I don't recall last time we saw her in any kind of match of any length. But, uh, you know, I remember seeing her in a couple of matches with Natalia earlier this year where she just looked really sloppy. So I hope, you know, I hope in my heart of hearts that they got that fixed and, and, you know, her feud with Beth is going to be good. But I just don't have any reason to have any confidence in it.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I do think when Karma comes back, they're going to take it serious, at least in the short term. Uh, but maybe not even then, but I, I, I think they will. I think we're going to get Karma and Beth at, at WrestleMania in there. Um, you know, and, and, and that will probably be done very well. And if this is the holding pattern until then. But, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're taking a long way to get there, and they're using a lot of WWE.com to, to, get, this, to get the Divas over. And I just don't think enough people go there. To really get these get these ladies over, it's, it's kind of frustrating. We had Randy Orton backstage getting ready for his match, and then after commercial, we had a, uh, a another rock hype video. It's not the one, it's not the presidential election video, as Jason Powell likes to call it, the one they did uh, that they introduced him and Cena at the same time, the two different videos. Um, I guess it was back at that Royal Rumble paper where they they introduced those videos. Uh, yeah. This one, you know, talked about Rocks uh, from his birth and, and growing up. We saw some home video of him uh, pretending to be different wrestlers as a kid and uh, in the living room of his home and uh, pictures of him as a, as a kid meeting some of the, the greats in WWF history and uh, talked about him going to high school and whatnot. And it was, you know, it was a fun little video, but did it do anything? I mean... It's The Rock. Did this video help? And I mean, did it do anything at all other than just fill time?
1: Uh, I can't really say that it did. I mean, most of this information, uh, you know, they already kind of went through when he inducted his dad into the Hall of Fame. So, um, you know, he already kind of spoke about his family and, and growing up and, you know, what it meant to him to be a part of the WWE. So I, I think a lot of this is already kind of known commodity stuff. Uh, but I, I guess they're, you know they're trying to establish, uh, you know, with these video packages, the fact that you know Cena and Rocker, you know, aside from being you know WWE wrestlers, they have, you know, they have lives and they have families and they have you know they're good people and whatnot. So I think they're trying to give the fans a reason to like both of them and then we'll have to see, you know, how it plays out on television, whether uh, the characters they play on screen start to reflect the people that we see in these videos or not, but I don't really feel like I learned anything from this video that I didn't already know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like the other one. It was it was nice, but eh, who cares? I, it, didn't, it didn't make me care one way or the other about Rock coming back at this point. I, it, it didn't move me in any way, shape, or form, which is kind of Kind of upsetting for about a a three-and-a-half-minute video that didn't do anything for anybody watching it. Though I will say I would have rather that video run another two minutes than get what we had next. Backstage, we had Natalia talking to Tyson Kidd. Natty's talking about, you know, she's got this problem, and when she gets nervous, it's really bad. And Tyson goes, I know it's disgusting, but, you know, stuff happens. And she's like, disgusting? What are you talking about? When I get nervous, I talk too much. What did you mean? And he goes, oh, oh, nothing, never mind. And then she farted. And, and I know there's a lot of people on Twitter who seem to be seem to think that it was Tyson Kidd that was farting. No, I'm pretty sure it was Natalia And because Kidd looks at her, walks off. I think what people think it might have been him is that as he walked off, he put his hand kind of near his butt, almost like he was waving it away or something. But I think it was just how he moved. There's no question that it's her that's still doing it. Um, she she kind of, you know, gets upset and makes a face. Hornswoggle walks around the corner at that point, walks right into the air and then passes out. Just flops on, takes a big bump, flops on the ground, uh, lays there with his feet up in the air, eyes wide open. Natty squats down, looks at him and goes, it was Tyson, and, and runs off and leaves Hornswoggle dead there on the ground from the fart. I, I honest to God, cannot I, there are no words to describe how disgusted I am with with this whole thing, and it's really got nothing to do with Natty or anything like that. It's just, I, I'm 36. I'll be 37 in April. Fart jokes, especially women fart jokes, just aren't funny to me. I, I don't know how they're funny to 60-year-old Vince McMahon, but to me, I'm like, God, I, I don't want anybody I know to ever be watching this while this is happening and look at me and go, really, this is what you do for a living? I, I, it, it it really upsets me that we're doing fart jokes on 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 a wrestling show.
1: Yeah, I guess you know this was kind of the beginning of the exposition of what this is. And I guess it sounds like you know Natty has some anxiety problems apparently, and she thinks they lead her to talk too much, and everybody else is noticing that she's you know that she's passing a lot of gas. I mean, is that I I, I don't know if you know this is going to develop into something eventually i mean if she's having you know anxiety problems or something, but i mean the you know the the flatulence thing is just so bush league and and juvenile that it's, you know it's gonna be hard for anybody to really invest in this as an actual storyline i mean if if they are gonna eventually go somewhere with it, I think they've completely you know let all the air out of the balloon just by uh you know just by. Put having up, your, yeah, exactly. Uh, just by having her pass all the gas before, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, they, how many people are going to have die backstage because they, you know, I guess Hornswoggle is kind of the funniest one because he's, he's right at, uh, you know, ground zero there, right by her ass. But, I mean, that that's basically the funniest part of the whole segment. And her, you know, her reaction to it, she's not like, you know, a Hollywood actress. I mean, she does her best to look horrified. But, I mean, come on, there's nothing really redeeming about this at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's gotta be hard to, to to try to put that over as to, you know, if you're you know, wow, I'm I'm made to look like I can't control my ass. I, I, serious question and I and I hate to ask this question, but I'm dead serious. How long before farting in someone's face becomes her finisher? Uh
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it'll come after the heel or after the baby face turn. I mean she'll probably do some kind of stink face thing and people will die in the corner. But I I mean it's it's just ridiculous. There's no there's no reason for it aside from, you know, it's somebody's idea of a cruel joke.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's like as Jason said in .NET Weekly, it is either a Vince McMahon hilarity thing he thinks it's funny or it's a writer who thinks Vince would find is funny and is therefore doing it. I I gotta hope you're paying her well, that's all I've got to say. I I I really, really hope you're paying her well. After commercial, we had uh, ring introductions for the big tag match, and that led to the third match of the night, Big Show and Sheamus defeating Wade Barry and Cody Rhodes at 12 minutes and 27 seconds. I think the uh, the big surprise, and maybe the news as much as it is any news uh, in this match, is that Big Show was the guy who did most of the selling. So that Sheamus could get the hot tag at the end uh, Show did a pretty good job. I'm really impressed with Show's work recently. He, you know, he. He's the type of guy that he's kind of like Kane in a lot of ways where, you know, you would be bored with Kane for a long time and then all of a sudden Kane would get motivated or or something and catch fire and, and just be really good for a few months. And shows kind of that same guy and he, he's been very, very good over the past few months ever since the thing with Henry. We thought, wow, well, Henry's a big guy was able to carry him to a good match and he's done good stuff with Daniel Bryan. I thought he was very good in this match as well, working with both Cody and Wade Barrett. Uh, the finish on this comes, we get hot tags to Wade Barrett and to Sheamus. Sheamus lays out Barrett with all kinds of moves. He's kind of sitting up, maybe for the Irish Cross or something. He's standing there beating his chest. Cody goes to sneak up behind Sheamus, and Big Show hits the spear. Uh, much like Mike Knox, uh, his, his uh, cross body block, the uh, the spear from Big Show was very impressive. He's really gotten it down to, uh, to a very good size. I don't know if it's an homage to, to Edge or, or what exactly, but he's... Uh, He's, re- he's introduced this spear into his, his repertoire and he's doing a really good job with it. Cody sold it like a champ. Uh, Sheamus glanced over, saw what was going on there, turned around, hit the broke, hit Wade Barrett for the babyfaces to win and stand tall in the ring. Uh, Twelve and a half minute match. It was a it was a good match. Not a great match, but uh, I mean, one worth sitting through. If, you, if you've got the time, go find this match and watch it and uh, you know, no real surprise on the end there. You know, basically everybody, you know, Big Show was involved. His team wins, but he's not really involved in the finish. Sheamus is the guy who looks the strongest. You know, he and Big Show point to the WrestleMania sign afterwards and at each other and do a fist bump so that Sheamus, and then Sheamus goes on to celebrate in the ring. He, you know, he's the guy. They're getting ready to coronate King probably at WrestleMania. So, I mean, it served his purpose. It did exactly what it was meant to do. It didn't really take any heat off of anybody. Barrett loses again. we've just come to expect it from the guy. They're they're doing a lot of damage to him. That's that's my only problem with this match is that Barrett takes another loss. But somebody had to. He's the guy that I would have picked to take the loss, all things being equal. Um, So, you know, a a, a good match at the top of the second hour and, you know, nothing nothing to get up and be like, oh, my God, you have to see this, but worth sitting through. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, it felt like, uh, you know, like the typical – WWE tag match main event i mean it, it was very uh you know there's a lot of good double team offense from the heels and then uh you know the the baby faces managed to you know sneak out the big win in the end and and uh you know stand victorious and, and you know send the crowd home happy kind of thing so i i thought the action was good and i thought the uh they managed not to completely make anybody look like a fool and, and the uh the baby faces got the big win so it was uh, it was worth the 12 minutes i, I enjoyed the match
0: and then we get Cole hyping AJ's interview for next. And after commercial, Michael Cole was in the ring and introduced AJ, who came out.
1: Uh,
0: he asked AJ, uh, you know, how she felt after having the incident with Dick show. Um, she said that she was feeling better, that uh, she should be getting her neck brace off. she had some some uh, head problems or head, head, head pain, but she should be getting the neck brace off next week. And she wanted to thank everyone for, for their support. Cole cuts her off at that point and says, nobody knows who you are. You're you're the least known person here. You really expect me to believe that, that people are actually caring about you and, and sending you letters of support and whatnot. Uh, AJ looks kind of irritated. He goes, oh, I'm just messing with you, as the fans booed a little bit. calls um, her, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joshing with you. He asked her if she blamed Big Show, and then just, you know, and said, why, why are you even at ringside anyway? She, she answered that part of the question first, that she was at ringside because, uh, Brian asked her to be there and, and because she loved him, and that no, she did not blame Big Show at all. She said that you know she was sure big Show uh, did not mean to do that. It was an accident, but there was one person who had caused more damage than show, and that was Cole. Cole asked her how that was uh, uh, um, Cole asked how that was even possible that he had done more damage than show. She said it was because he had never believed in Brian. he didn't believe in her. Um, he was always just trying to stir things up. Uh, she said that he had insulted, insulted uh, Dana Bryan, he had insulted her, and he had insulted the entire Divas division. She called him a bias, obnoxious jerk. Cole started to speak. He said, wow, here, 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 kind of that sort of thing. And then she grabbed the microphone and says, wait, I'm not finished. She said as far as she's concerned, the WWE would be a better place if he just shut his mouth. At that point, he did go off and said, now you listen to me, Missy. um, he went off about it being his job that he was paid to uh, to provide his, his his insight and his personality. He asked if she knew what people were saying about her and Daniel Bryan you know he kind of just spun the tables back on her. He said that he said you know people in the back are talking people have been talking to me they're saying that Daniel Bryan was was using her that he set her up to get run over by a big show, and that she's so blinded by her love that she would run out in front of a bus for him. He said that people are also saying that AJ had no self-respect, and he said that come the Elimination Chamber, he was going to be in a great place there at ringside because Daniel Bryan was going to lose, and then Bryan and AJ would just become footnotes in WWE history. Uh, He got decent heat at this point. I wouldn't say it was great heat, but it was decent heat. At that point, Daniel Bryan comes out with a microphone, shut your mouth, shut your mouth. If you say another word to my girlfriend, I'll break both your arms. I was really confused at this point. I thought maybe they were going to turn him back babyface because that seemed to be what they were setting up, Uh, but they didn't. Uh, Brian comes all the way down to the ring. He uh, chases Cole. Cole hands AJ the microphone and runs out and goes back to the announce table. He said that uh, he, he yelled at Cole from the ring, you know, how dare you talk to her that way? Hasn't she been through enough? He said that he was not a footnote. He was a great wrestler, a great champion, and he was a role model. He said this past Sunday he had been on a nature walk while the rest of the people were watching Super Bowl and eating copious amounts of meat and drinking uh, beer. He asked how many people on that day even bothered to recycle. He said that he recycled every day because he cared about the environment and future generations. And then he walked over and said, N-A and a day, and hugged her very tenderly. He said that she had been through too much and too many people were still trying to get on her. And because of that, he was leaving and taking her home and then probably the only the only line that, that mattered to me, because I, just thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny just to throw it in, and, and I, I hope it was some product placement payment there from Toyota. He said that because they loved the environment so much, he was taking her home in a Prius. Um, they left the ring, cold with nuts at ringside, screaming about Brian. Booker T started yelling at him. Josh Matthews sat there with his mouth open, staring at both of them. I really just wanted to turn the, the sound off at that point, because they were just going back and forth, yelling at each other for no reason. That brought enough time for them to get backstage where Daniel Bryan and A.J. were walking away. Teddy Long walks up and says, what's going on? He, uh, Daniel Bryan says, I've got to take her home. You know, she, She's traumatized. It's not safe for her here, so I'm going to take her home. I've got to take, got to take a personal day is what he said. Uh, Teddy said, well, that's not going to happen. If if, uh, if Daniel really wanted A.J. to go home, he would provide transportation for her. But Bryan had to stay and compete. And he goes, let me put it to you this way, player. If you don't stay and fight, you lose your title, and they cut the commercial. Uh, again, the vegan character is just not working. With... Let me back up to AJ A correspondent who was there said it was the worst live promo in the history of wrestling, which I think is quite a bit of hyperbole. She was not great. She did stumble a couple of times. But I have heard far, far, far worse just on SmackDown in the past couple of weeks. I'm sure I can find some spots that were worse than that. I, I didn't think it was as near as bad as it was made out to be. Now, maybe my expectations were lowered by those statements and our spoilers, uh, but I, I didn't think it was near as bad as it was made out to be. Brian was just a continuation of what we saw between he and Teddy backstage uh, before with the whole vegan thing. It's not working. I don't think the fans gave him a – he didn't seem like he got a great reaction from them. Uh, and then Cole and Booker T. Just Cole as a whole and then an argument with Booker T. The, the whole segment just didn't work. I don't think you can really blame – a person in, the, in that was involved in it as much as it was. There's just the story itself is just. Man, you see it that way, or do you think we can blame somebody actually that was in the in the set?
1: I I think it's just the the story. I mean, I, AJ is still pretty much a baby face. I mean, and Cole was a heel, and so you know she's doing her interview and she she did stumble at the beginning, but I thought she improved quite a bit as it went along. And, you know, Cole finishes by, you know, doing the accusatory stuff, saying that, you know, her and and Brian are, uh, you know, going to be footnotes and whatnot. And So, you know, Brian interrupts in in a typical, you know, spot where a babyface would come down and dress down the heel. And he ends up, you know, giving another one of those sanctimonious granola promos that nobody reacted to. And I think that's kind of where the whole thing fell apart, you know. If they had given him, you know, a little bit of leeway and he he was able to kind of play up maybe a a tweener kind of babyface, you know, moment there. I think the segment would have worked, but I think the fact that they're you know they're trying to play up the fact that Brian you know is kind of this uh, David Koresh mind control kind of heel over AJ. I, I don't uh, I don't think it worked in the in the context of him trying to defend her from Cole. It just didn't. The segment didn't work. Uh, it, it it felt just very bizarre, and I don't think uh, I don't think it's the fault of anybody uh, specifically. I thought the delivery on the on the promo was pretty good, but the subject matter just didn't click with me.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just not a good story. I I hate that because I think they got good players here, but it just it did not work well at all. Um, after commercial, after that, we, we I, do you think just before we move away from it, do you think we're going to get AJ splitting off of Daniel Bryan because like you said, she's still a babyface right now and he's he's a heel. Do you think we're going to get them splitting up, or do you think she's going to do the full turn and go heel with him at some point? Uh, I, I think if he,
1: you know, if he drops the title at uh, Elimination Chamber, like I suspect he will, uh, you know, we'll probably see that flesh out, and, and I think potentially we'll probably see them split up. I would guess. I
0: don't think they're
1: going to turn Brian back to babyface quite yet, so I would assume that they'll end up splitting up, and and he'll end up feuding with whoever, you know, AJ finds to come to her rescue.
0: That's that's probably fair. So we'll we'll, we'll see. I just I just don't have a good feel for for what they're doing at this point. It, it I don't know. I just I don't really know what they're doing. That's that's the whole thing. I i it, it doesn't feel like again, that's, that's kind of the point we're making here is that the story itself is just not very good and you got people in traditional roles for baby faces acting as heels and traditional heel faces are traditional heel roles being baby faces it's really strange and poorly done. After commercial, we get Ted DiBiase making his ring entrance. A video uh, recap the attack from Unico and Camacho, excuse me, Unico and Camacho from two weeks ago, where they heard his attack the injured hand. Uh, the announcing made a, a point of pointing out that uh, Ted DiBiase had been out for two weeks because of that injury. For those who don't know, yes, his wrist is broken. Yes, he uh, he does have some torn cartilage in it, uh, as the announcers went on to say. And that led to our fourth match of the night. After Unico and Camacho were introduced. Uh, Ted hey, DiBiase sneaking out a win on this, uh, Unico with Camacho at 2 minutes and 37 seconds. Uh, DiBiase attacked right at the bell and got in a couple of uh, you know, strikes and, and a drop kick in there at one point to sent Unico to the ground or the floor. He follows him out there. Camacho runs over. He shoves Camacho off. The ref keeps him separate. They get back in the ring. Unico gets control at that point and sends DiBiase back to the floor so that Camacho can get his payback. Uh, and then from that point forward, it was really all... Uh, Unico, he had a couple of hope spots from CBIC in there, but Unico was really working the arm. He was uh doing kind of a cross arm breaker type move, but instead of locking it in and holding it uh for a submission, he would just, you know, jerk the arm back and kind of hyperextend the elbow uh and let go off of the, like an impact move. He did it two times and went to do it a third time, stopped for a second to, to pose for the crowd, and when he did, Ted rolled up. Grabbed him and pulled him back for a schoolboy roll-up victory. Uh, Camacho hit the ring, but DiBiase escaped before anything happened. I, you know, the match itself for a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute match. I mean, they 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 did a lot. Uh, Unico has been fantastic since he took the mask off. I you know, I'm beginning to wonder if the Sin Cara mask was just poorly designed because both he and Mystico did not do a, did not do a good job underneath that mask. Both guys had botched problems. Mystico was worse than Unico. Uh, but Unico was still not great underneath the Fincar mask. And ever since he's taken the mask off, he has been just a delight to watch in the ring. And, uh, he and Ted did a good job here for, for what little time they were given. I, I don't care that much about the, uh, the storyline at this point because they just, it's, it's kind of class warfare. It's Rich Ted DiBiase versus the Barrio guys from The Thug and, uh, or the Barrio guys and, uh, the thugs from The Barrio and... Of course, we know Camacho is not even Hispanic at all so or, or Latin at all. He's South Pacific Islanders. So, that, you know, that all that's kind of frustrating as a whole. But the match itself, for two a two-and-a-half-minute match, I thought was really well done. Yeah, no, it
1: was a decent match. I mean, it, I guess it, it, it felt just kind of like maintaining the storyline. I mean, it, it didn't really push it anywhere. There, we didn't really learn anything new. But, um, you know, the, the match itself was very good. I thought both guys performed pretty well. Um, but in the end, it was just another, you know, time filler that was meant to keep this storyline alive while they're, you know, while they're busy doing other things.
0: So, it'd be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, we went to commercial, and after that, we had the uh, an Elimination Chamber hype video that, you know, talked about all the, you know, how much it weighed and all the steel and showed clips from all the previous Elimination Chambers, talked about the fact that um, I think exactly half of all the Elimination Chamber matches, they've had, Fifteen matches they've had and seven times they've had uh, a title change. Does that sound right to you? Mm,
1: yeah, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, that sounds accurate. Right.
0: Um, so, yeah, just just put the Elimination Chamber over itself. Then we cut to uh, a graphic of John Laurinaitis' head uh, in on, a, like, a smartphone. And supposedly he was joining them live uh, via cell phone from, uh, from the Middle East. They're in Abu Dhabi. And uh, he talks about being there and, uh, you know, what they're doing there and, and being on that tour and just, you know, put over the fact that WWE uh, Board of Directors, storyline-wise, obviously, kept him around as interim general manager, and he'd be back on Monday. Mr. Excitement will be back on Monday in charge. Um, and, you know, just, it, it it rang hollow, it didn't ring true, it, you know, we know it's a tape show and it supposedly he's joining them live, but, you know, I I don't understand. The whole thing was wildly unnecessary. They could have just, you know, showed a video clip, talked about the fact that he was supposed to be fired, but the board director decided to keep him on. I, I really felt like this was unnecessary, because uh, I don't know why you, why is it a big deal here on television that they're over in the Middle East? I, I just didn't get to it. Take-
1: yeah, and it was obviously recorded, too. I mean, Cole's just talking and then they played whatever ace had recorded and then cole talked again and they played whatever he recorded so yeah it was uh it was very strange to you know the, i guess they're trying to you know further the the storyline let everybody know that he was going to be back on monday but i think all the stuff about abu dhabi and uh you know the the arab tour and stuff i, I don't know it just kind of felt like uh superfluous like it was
0: unnecessary
1: but uh, i think the goal here was just to let everybody know that Ace was retained, and he'll be back on Monday. And, and uh, you know, he's Mr., what did he call it, Some Mr. Excitement or something? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it will be back to the, the monotone Mr. Excitement on Monday. I, and, you know, Triple H is going to be on the show as well, I'm assuming, because he's got his Undertaker stuff to do. So it could be interesting. I think that's, you know, the whole point of it was just to let everybody know that he'll be back on Monday's Raw. But uh, the other stuff just kind of felt like, you know, WWE giving itself a handshake.
0: Yeah, Yeah. did. Lorenitus is is a, is a lot like Brodus Clay right now. Even though I, you know, he, with my my initial reaction for him was the same. I thought, why is this guy on there? And you know, much like I don't think there's money in, in the, the Brodus character long term. Same thing with him. I'm just tired of the the, the heel. I, you know, Jason talked about being the heel GM. I'm just tired of the control thing. It's just in all of wrestling that always seems to be. What it's about. I and mean, if you look at ROH, you've got Kevin Steen, who's not trying to take control of the country, company, but he's just trying to be a thorn in the side for, you know, for, for Jim Cornette, to, you know, who is in control of the company on, on screen and one well, behind the scenes too. But, uh, you know, then in TNA, you've got the whole thing with Hogan and Immortal that went off forever with Dixie Carter and Sting and all that. And here we've got, I just, I'm so tired of the whole control of the company, especially when you've got non-wrestlers in those roles, I just I'm done with that whole thing. But I got to give Lauren credit. As much as I hated the idea of him being the guy, he has done a decent job of selling me uh, on, on what, and what he's done. He's they they figured out how to use him correctly. The the less is more approach is working well for him. And I you know I, I, I really I crack on the guy at the very beginning. And so I want it to be fair and come back and give him credit. And, and much like Brodus play, I didn't like it at first. But he's managed to sell me on it. Do you do you like him on Raw at all, or are you still one of those guys that are going, no, it's it's, it's Johnny Hayes, he sucks.
1: Well, I you know I think he's good in the role that they have him in. I don't think he would be good long term. You know they can, uh,
0: you know they can as
1: long as he's you know in this kind of semi feud with Punk. You know I think they can make it work as Punk is such a good foil for how robotic he is. But I don't think you know long term it's. It's something they could push out forever, and they're going to need to to do something, you know, different with the authority figure stuff. I mean, or if they even need one, I don't know if they uh, if they necessarily need, you know, a dominant authority figure on Raw heading into WrestleMania when they got so many big feuds going on. But uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. I don't think Laurynitis is that bad, but I, I don't think he's uh, very dynamic. So I think this feud is probably going to be the pinnacle of what he can do.
0: And at least he got a little bit of the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, his, his American career was so bad for so long, I guess he's at least getting a little bit of something right now, a little love for him. Uh Randy Orton makes his entrance after commercial. We get a, a video hyping the return of Shawn Michaels to Monday Night Raw this coming week. And, of course, Jason Powell will be around with a uh, with an audio review of that after the show, remember called it. Uh, Big Show joined the announce team during the break, and then Daniel Bryan makes his entrance for our fifth and final match of the night. The main event, Daniel Bryan defeating Randy Orton, by disqualification at 12 minutes and 59 seconds, um, the match started with some technical wrestling, which was something a little bit different that we don't normally see from Orton. I thought that was great. wasn't it? a lot of chain wrestling or anything like that, but it was uh, it was just a little more technical, some arm drag, arm bar, uh, reversal, you know, a little bit of chain wrestling. there, some drop toe holds and things like that. Just it was nice to see something different from, from Orton. It, it always felt like Brian was calling the match there for a little bit, the, the way it was, the, the pace of it and how they were doing things. Um, but then they, you know, they got into their role. We had a uh, commercial break. Right before the commercial break, though Randy Orton had tossed uh, 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 Dana Bryan to the floor and right in front of the announce team, Big Show stood up and uh, Orton hit the floor fast. He looked at Big Show and said, no, no, no. Rolled Orton back in the ring, turn, or excuse me, rolled Brian back in the ring, turned back around to face Joe and said, you know, I got him. Got leave him alone. Joe said, okay, and sat back down. And when Orton turned around, he took a drop kick through the ropes from Daniel Bryan, and then uh, Bryan hit his big running knee from the apron in a really nice-looking spot. You and I talked about that on G-Chat uh, right after it happened. I thought uh, uh, Orton sold it well, and um, it's one of those really nice spots that when it, when it, when it looks good, it looks really, really, really good. Uh, we get back from commercial. We've got. Uh, they just they had a great back and forth match. Uh, you know, one guy would go for a few moves, the other guy would come back and go for a few moves. It was primarily Orton in control uh, for most of the match. Uh, we had a nice spot in the corner where you had Daniel Bryan hit the drop kick that he does in the corner, and then several kicks uh, to the chest. Orton floated over one and rolled it up in a schoolboy for two. When Brian kicked out of it, he kept a hold of the arm and flipped it around behind his back to his legs and tried to hook the lapel lock. Orton was able to escape. Uh, he rolled him up at that point and, and stood up for a slingshot that shot uh, Brian over the top rope onto the apron. Then he was able to hit that rope DDT and set up for the RKO. So he's laying on the ground. He's pounding on the mat. He's getting ready for the RKO. Uh, Brian sees it coming, rolls to the ring, calls for his belt, the um, whoever was there, the timekeeper, I guess, hands him the belt. He starts to leave. Big Show starts yelling at him, what, are you just going to walk out or whatever? And then Brian turns on Show, takes the swing at him. Show slams him into the, the barricade and then throws him back in the ring. We get the referee standing there, you know, looking at him going, you know, why would you do that? What's going on? Uh, Brian stands up, yells at Big Show, turns around, eats an RKO, but the ref calls for the bell. Awards the match to Brian by disqualification because of Show's interference. Randy Orton hits the floor at that point and gets in Show's face, starts yelling at him. Now, I, I did think that right here when they start bickering, this this felt forced. This I thought was the only poor part of this entire post-match stuff. Uh, but they th- this felt a little bit forced. They argued for a minute and then Orton shoved Show uh, and then went back to yelling at him. Show shoved Orton to the ground. Orton jumped up and just pounced on show. They collapsed into the announce table area. The announcers fled from from that. Uh, he, he ended up showing to throwing Orton back over the announce table. Orton runs back, jumps back over the announce table on show. They brawl all around the announce table, and as the show went off the air, Brian had snuck back up uh, halfway up the ramp and was standing there, you know, kind of catching his breath, holding the, the title while... Show and, uh, and Orton continue to fight on the big screen, on the Titantron behind him. That's how the show closed out with those two brawling at ringside. A good match. Again, we talked about this earlier. I felt like they held back some uh, because it's not a pay-per-view. It was free TV. I would really like to see what these two can do in a 20, 25-minute match on pay-per-view. I, I was really impressed with what they did. Um, considering that they were holding back, I think it, it could be a lot of fun. But I really thought that the the best part of this was the post match brawl. The brawl between Orton and Big Show looked to be the realest thing we saw on the show all night. What about you? Yeah, I
1: enjoyed the post match brawl. I also you know enjoyed the action in the match. I mean the the finish itself was pretty telegraphed. I mean there's really no reason for Show to be out there on commentary unless you're you know he's going to be involved in the finish somehow. And that's, you know, that's pretty much exactly what played out. So, you know, that was kind of disappointing that they kind of gave it away like that. But
0: uh, in, in the
1: end, I thought the match worked and, you know, we, we had no reason to expect a clean finish and we didn't get one. And, you know, the post-match brawl was was well done, you know, aside from, uh, you know, the, the kind of the hokeyness you mentioned with, uh, you know, them bickering at each other. The actual uh, physical part of it, the brawl was well done. And, and Brian sneaking up the ramp and, and you know, holding up the title, you know, that's typical heel tactics, you know, I'll, I'll survey the damage that I caused and, and sneak out the back door. And I thought it worked. I mean, it worked for their characters, and, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued at least as, as to where they're going to go at Elimination
0: Chamber. Yeah, and, uh, you yeah, know, I, again, I don't mean to, to disparage the, the match itself. I, I hope I didn't try to – I hope I didn't come across that way. I thought the action of the match was very good. But it just it's, the post match brawl just seemed really to work well. When after uh, show shoved Orton to the ground, the look on Orton's face when he jumped up and then just that show was really good. Uh, you know, it, it, it put some heat on the Elimination Chamber match. Those are the two guys you're probably going to watch the most in that match. Uh, to, to expect one of them to come out, if not Daniel Bryan retaining, then certainly one of those guys coming out as the champion. Again, I think it's going to be Randy Orton because I think they're setting up for Sheamus and Orton, the big baby face showdown. At WrestleMania, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see a Sheamus Daniel Bryan program, but I just don't see it coming. Uh, we got nine days left. One more SmackDown to find out. We got the Go Home Raw and SmackDown coming up this next week, and uh, we'll know for sure from there. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be along uh, next Sunday with uh, preview and predictions of next weekend from everyone on staff. And Jason and I will be there for double live coverage as well as a uh, audio breakdown afterwards. Jake, anything you want to add before we get out of here?
1: Uh, no, man, I think we covered it. Just have a good week, everybody.
0: So, yeah, it was uh, not a great show, but certainly a couple things worth watching. The tag match and the main event, I think we both agree, are worth finding out or worth finding on the Internet and watching if you can find them. Um, or if you DVR'd it. So definitely check those things out. Hopefully we'll get a really good go-home show for, from SmackDown. We don't often, most a lot of times go-home shows can be really bad. I'm hoping for something better this time from them. Uh, looking forward to the Elimination Chamber. I think both matches have uh, different stories that they can tell, and, and the different workers that are in it make it very interesting. I think the Raw... Uh, has probably the better workers in it as far as what we can expect to see innovation wise inside of that chamber. Uh, I think SmackDown has an interesting story to tell with Big Show and Kali, is Kali gonna make it or whatnot. So it's, it's chafing out to be what might be a pretty decent pay per view coming up. And of course Jason and I will be back on, on next Sunday for the double coverage. And that Smackdown or excuse me and that audio review of the pay per view. But again, that will be members only just like the rest of the audio each week access to the ad-free version of the site, access to the .NET Members Forum and the .NET Members Blog section. If you want to get access to all of that and also be the first to hear of all the news that breaks uh, leading into WrestleMania, we have a lot of news that happens this time of year. Give away most of that stuff to our members first and then let the free site see it much, much later. If you want to be ahead of the game, now is the time. Head on over to ProWrestling.net. On the right-hand side of the page, you will see the .NET Members sign-up link. Click on that, $7.50 a month for 30 days. If you want to go in and take the annual option, and and I do recommend it, saves you two bucks a month, only $5.50 a month there, and uh, you'll have access to everything that we have available for you A bunch of old audio out there, too, some interviews, Shane Helms, uh, Bobby Lashley, Chris Jericho. uh, just, Just a ton of interviews out there for you guys to listen to. Definitely recommend it. It's a great time to get signed up if you've never been thinking about doing it. Now is the time. Jake and I will be back next week for another all-access SmackDown review as we head into the Elimination Chamber. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, your continued support of ProWrestling.net. We'll see you back next week. Everyone take care.